AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain markets were pushed and pulled both higher and lower today as traders position for tomorrow's USDA reports. Live cattle futures just stuck in a holding pattern. And lean hog futures stumbled again, but finally reached an important chart point. Let's learn about the Nebraska markets here at the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show. Live from the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, yes, it it's a conversation with Dave Spencer from Farmers Pride Co-op. Then it's Bob Lingenfelter right after the news. Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you so much. We are shaking, live buddy. at uh-huh. the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show. Hey, thanks, everybody. Woo-hoo. Appreciate that. All right. Yeah, here in Norfolk. Love right it. Right back at you, everybody. Right back at you. <laughs> I tell you, we we uh, are having a really good day here. Some of the conversations in the, the broadcast room, which is doubling as the cafeteria room, Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, I gotta admit, I did not go for the sloppy cheesy dog. You did not? I, no, I didn't. I instead went for the pulled pork and it was delicious. Oh, I see. Absolutely now, delicious. I expect you could eat a pulled pork sandwich there with no fork, would you yeah. say? <laughs> yes. Neither a spoon nor, nor a fork? Nor a fork. Yes. Nor <laughs> fork. Yes. That's exactly right. That's, All right. that's oh, Davis, Success. the groans. No. No. The groans are coming your way. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. Beautiful day out here. A little cool. But, uh, boy, here we are January 11th, and things are looking pretty good. It's 41 degrees outside. It's beautiful. That sounds awesome. That sounds yeah. great. Yep. A lovely day. This, yeah. This morning, this morning mm-hmm. when we were talking about the drop management plans for the lower Elkhorn and, uh, let's see, NRS, right? Mm-hmm. Or NRD, NRD, sorry. Yep. Um, when we were talking about the drought plans, of course, weather is a big topic of conversation and whether or not we're going to get some some uh, moisture in the ground before we have to put seed in the ground. But uh, I think guys out here are fairly optimistic, feeling well, pretty good, good about, about things going forward. Even the cattle guys. You know what? A year ago, the cattle guys out here were kind of grumbling at me. Mm-hmm. Now... Mm-hmm. You know, we got closeouts in that $120, $140 range, something like that. And I think people are in generally in a pretty good mood out here. All right, buddy, let's do it. Let's get to the news. What do you got? Chip, March SRW wheat futures opened steady, fell back to test buying interest, then rallied to test resistance at yesterday's high. Front month SRW posted an inside trading day with a high range close that should limit selling ahead of Thursday's winter wheat seedings and quarterly grain stocks reports. On average, chip traders are looking for total winter wheat seedings to be up about 1.2 million acres from year ago. Trade sources also note there is some increasing demand for U.S. milling quality wheat in the market this week. March HRW wheat futures were 10 and one half cents higher, 822 and one quarter. March soft red wheat up nine cents, 740. 
March spring wheat closed at eight ninety nine and one quarter, up four and three quarter cents. Sas closed in the March yeah. spring wheat chip. Yeah, getting some separation between the spring wheat market and the winter wheat markets is uh, that spring wheat market knows it has to stay competitive for acres as we make our way into the spring. Well, March corn futures also posted an inside trading day with a low range open and a high range close. Traders positioned ahead of tomorrow's USDA reports, limiting today's price movement. The pre-report guess range on the size of the 2022 corn crop is only 150 million bushels wide. But the guess range on DS1 corn stocks is about 1.5 billion bushels wide. And that shows a difference of opinions on corn use in the first quarter of the 22-23 marketing year. Ethanol production in the weekend of January 5 increased 99,000 barrels per day. To an average of 943,000 barrels, ethanol stocks down 644,000 barrels to 23.8 million. March corn futures were a penny higher today, 656. May corn up three quarters of one cent to 655 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 648 and one half. That's up a whole half cent, Chip. Yeah, when we talk about that ethanol production, we were just talking earlier about this the cold snap that we had and how much uh, pressure that put on the ethanol producers out there really kind of messed things up for a while, and and now we're into a recovery phase on that. USDA this morning announced the sale of 124,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. On average, traders are looking for soybean carry to increase 16 million bushels from December in tomorrow's S&D update. Despite a solid export campaign for soybeans, Traders expect USDA to cut estimated 2022 and 23 bean exports. Soybean oil futures were lower today, even as crude oil prices rallied more than two bucks a barrel. That capped price strength in bean prices. Bean meal prices opened on session lows and rallied to within a dollar of the contract high before setting back to a mid-range close. March bean futures posted an inside trading day with a low-range open and a high-range close. March beans were eight cents higher at 14.93. May beans up seven and one quarter, 14.96 and one half. July beans closed at 14.97 and three quarters, up six and one quarter cents. Chip. Yeah, the boy. I tell you what, this whole bean situation with that soybean meal market not participating in the strength, it's making it hard to build the upside momentum. March cotton was 50 points lower at 84.26. On your livestock's price action in Feb Live cattle was a mirror opposite of yesterday's trade, and both ended up in the same place. February <laughs> cattle unchanged, 157.75. March feeders down 95 cents, 185.55. And finally, February lean hog futures opened nearly steady, dropped to fill the October 6 yeah. upside price gap, then firmed to close well below, uh, well above session lows. Feb hogs still 50 cents lower, 79.30 April. Down a buck, 12 and a half, 88.40, Chip. Yeah, that was important to get that gap filled. Now the market can figure out what it's going to do from here, but we had to get that gap in lean hog futures filled. Thanks, Davis. Appreciate you. Let's bring in Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. Bubba, what's up? Say hi to everybody in Norfolk. Norfolk, Nebraska, what's up? (laughs) Everybody says, hey, Bubba. So tell me, what are you thinking? I think I'm gonna go take a nap. There's nothing to do, Chip. It's it, this is there's something going on that that is awfully fishy. I and mean, if I was out in Norfolk, Nebraska, I wouldn't want to step in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but something's going on here. It, it just the, the whole logic behind the behind the higher market is not making sense here. 
Okay. And uh, we know the Fed's going to continue to hike, which is going to make it the input costs even higher for farmers, yet the prices aren't moving. So uh, we'll see. I think that we're kind of just in this range bound across the board. But I still look for a big market in commodities and the entire commodity complex across the board this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So when it comes to these equities, what's it going to take for you to say, okay, this is starting to make sense? What what signals are you looking for? <laughs> how about if we make money? How about, how about if we actually have the government stop spending money and people actually start earning? You know, we've lost over 2 million jobs, full-time jobs since May. Okay, it's being made up with part-time jobs, so people are working two and three jobs just to make close to what they made before they they, they had a job. So the, the the whole economy is in the toilet. Okay, that's the that's the bottom line. You can't get help. No, there, nobody wants to work. So we have a, a major issue here. Which listen, the, the danger here is really stagflation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's I, and it's a I bad agree. situation. Yep, and the Fed has I done agree. a horrible job with the stimulation you know they what they've done is they've stopped it and of course people keep waiting to hear from an economist as to what what is are we in a recession or not and i tell everybody look in your own bank account if you're if you're having troubles you're in a recession (laughs) yep that's exactly right buddy i'm telling you a lot of people here in norfolk are looking at the speaker and then shaking their head in agreement so good work buddy we'll talk to you later we're talking with dave spencer from farmer's pride next To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. That number, of course, 855-482-5522, followed by the number 4, that's 855-482-5522, followed by the number 4, Agritalk, Chip. You're killing me, Smalls. 855-482-5522. Followed by oh, the number you four. What stop. Could be more my brain simple? is getting my the, the circuits I? are getting crossed in my brain. You can't say a phone number like that and expect anybody to call it. Eight double five four eight two double five two four. It's How about simple. if I it's sing eight five five four eight two five five two four. That is eight five five four talk a. You can also tweet at us. Just include the hashtag #AgriTalk in the There's message. There's no pleasing this guy, folks. I tell you, I do. I work and I try. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, you know, everybody here has been wondering just how handsome huh? is the handsome newsman. So right? handsome. So handsome. Yeah. So handsome well, they won't allow me on TV. There is a reason that you are on radio. <laughs> it's it's the same one that I've got. 
All right. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the conversation right now. We've got Dave Spencer from Farmers Pride Co-op out here in northeast Nebraska, into east central Nebraska too, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, pretty much the northeast corner. We touch into Iowa, we get into southern South Dakota a little bit. Right. And so yeah. right. Well, North is kind of the center of the world for yeah. us. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You've got a. There's a, a location up. Just outside of Yankton, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, Bloomfield, Nebraska, and then we have Avon, South Dakota, which is about okay. 440 miles west of Yankton. Yeah. Okay, very yeah. good, very good. Tell us more about the co-op. Uh, you know, we're a full, full-service co-op with yeah. uh, grain facilities. You know, got the, all the, the agronomy services. We've got uh, energy delivery of propane and diesel fuel. We're going to talk about that today. Yeah. We've got a feed mill here in Norfolk. It's called Progressive Nutrition. Um, so, yeah, oh, full-service. all the Yeah, yes, southeast uh, corner of Norfolk, so... Yeah, full service, uh, full line, farmer-owned cooperative with about 14, 15 locations yep. in northeast Nebraska and uh, one in South Dakota. And we just, uh, yeah, we touch the sand hills to the west yep. and we get into the rolling hills of uh, east of Sioux City. So, yep, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, the energy markets, uh, that's where your focus is at, correct? Yeah, it's been uh, part of my career for all my career, really, basically, yep. the energy side uh, outside of uh, Farmer's Pride and within Farmer's Pride. And uh, it's just been a... It's been a crazy run. Yeah, um, we can talk about where we're at yep. today. We can talk about where we, how we got here. Yeah, a bit, I want to so. do that, but I want to give a heads up to Davis too. Uh, you know how to let me know if you want to jump in with something on the uh, on, on the energy markets here, Davis. Indeed. Just you betcha. just let me know. Yep. What did you learn? What did you learn from twenty two? <laughs> well, first I'm going to give a shout out. Uh, Chip, to everybody that's in the energy delivery business, particularly the propane and diesel fuel yep. delivery. You know, the, the cold snap weather we had there before Christmas, it really hit hard here. The Dakotas uh, hit our company hard. A lot of people did a, you know, they worked really hard yeah. uh, to get product to keep people warm, animals warm, businesses warm. And and sometimes people take that for granted, but that, there was a lot of hard work and some tough conditions. Absolutely. And uh, shout out to those people every day, but it was, it was a tough go here the last you know, like yeah. two weeks and into the third week here. Yeah, so. good call, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Good call. So let's look back at 22. What, <laughs> yeah. did, what did you learn? Yeah, well, you know, it's we can probably go back to maybe things were maybe almost normal a year ago today, but then Russia and Ukraine came. And when you take a supplier out of the market like Russia, which yep. is a huge supplier of energy products to the world, particularly Europe, and all the things that went on since then and, and the markets reacted to that and prices went through the roof, particularly natural gas, mm-hmm. uh, really high in Europe. Got relatively high here in the United States. Um, diesel fuel was talked about being shipped to Europe because they weren't going to have enough natural gas, so they're going to use diesel fuel to back up generators. Because Europe you know, basically said, we're going to keep people warm. Yep. We're going to shut industry down, yep. which means some of our chemical suppliers are there. Fertilizer manufacturing is there. Those were all looking at shutdowns. And so... That all affected the rest of the ag complex as yeah. far as the nitrogen platforms and the fertilizer business. Once so, the dominoes started falling, yeah. they fell fast. Oh, it, it was just a nightmare. And so we had, you know, some people, obviously in the energy markets, you can contract ahead of time. Uh, some people did really well doing that. Others didn't. And we got caught out here. And, of course, it didn't rain in Nebraska this yep. year. So the irrigators, we had guys buying some pretty expensive fuel to keep that crop alive here in, in, in Nebraska. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, just extremely high prices. And then all the predictions came out, you know, all, yeah. all these predictions. And I don't know who these people are, Chip, but they, you know, we were going to have a, it was a, a named bank, said we were going to have $140 crude average in July yep. and August. Well, the highest we ever got was 110 Yep. You know, but all that did was just kind of add fuel to the fire. For fear. Call, fear, yeah, all yeah. kinds of fear. And then and then they talked about how we were going to have a, a, the average price, for national average price for gasoline is going to be $6 a gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up at 504 
so we didn't get there. Now I know the East Coast was or the West Coast was very expensive for gas, but he, East Coast too. And, and he, yeah, it, it got up there, but uh, those things didn't happen. And then we had all these predictions about what was going to happen going into fall, and we had these natural gas prices that hit uh, nine and a half per therm out here in the United yeah. States, but in Europe it was hitting 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. I mean, it was just crazy. So the arbitrage, everybody was going to ship natural gas to Europe yep. and try to fill up all their pipes and everything else. And I, I can speak of this because I had a son stationed in Poland for a while uh, during this crisis with the Army. Yeah. And uh, looking back, thank goodness the weather has helped us. I mean, Europe is, Western Europe is very warm. Mm-hmm. Northeast United States is warm. You got to understand, Northeast United States use a lot of heating fuel, diesel fuel, yep. to heat their homes. They're having a mild winter, and right now, thank goodness, this cold snap ended here. So energy prices have fallen, but the predictions were going to be these just diesel of doom, and we're not going to have any product. And then, and then the rumor came out that oh, we're we're at all time low inventory for diesel yeah. inventories. That was in November, if you recall. Yes, there I do. A, there was a date thrown out there, November eighteenth. We're going to run out of diesel fuel. Yeah. Now, now, come on. Yeah, well, I've got the graph right here. We can, we can, yes, diesel inventories are down. I'll get to that why it got there. But I guess we'd run out of diesel if every refinery quit running. Exactly. But they weren't quit but running. You don't quit running. No, and in fact, right. refinery utilization rates were well above 90% all year. And they, and they never run a refinery at 100%. You can't do that. You have breakdowns yep. and problems and pressures. But they are always in the lower to mid-90s, and a lot mm-hmm. of times we're under 90%. So. Well, the prices were high. The refiners were making money. There's no doubt about it. So they had the incentive to make as much product as they can. Yep. But I'll, I'll go step back. Is why did we get to that spot? Why did we, the diesel inventory so low? And it goes back to some of our conversation earlier. COVID. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. I mean, my commute into work, <laughs> there was nobody on the road. Yep. Even here in Nebraska, and we didn't even suffer that bad from the work at home thing and all that stuff that was going on. But you take it. What's going on in Minneapolis, Des Moines, Omaha, Kansas City? The gasoline demand went to zero. Yep. Do you remember the day that crude oil traded negative? Yeah, negative 30-something. We're going to pay you $37 for you to take my oil. Yeah. Well, everything was full. Yeah. The tender ships were full. The pipelines were full. And there was nowhere to put the gas. I mean, refinery makes gas and diesel every day. Yep. And then when the recovery began... Well, but before that, what yeah. didn't stop? Diesel. Diesel demand didn't stop. Trucks, I mean, Trucks co- kept running. Commerce kept going on. Yep. Trucking, railroads, farming. Yep. I mean, everybody using diesel kept going, but the gasoline demand. So the pipelines fill up with gas. What's the refiner going to do? It makes gas and diesel every day. Yep. The refineries have got to shut down. Yep. they got to scale back. Yep. And so what did we do to get through all that time when the diesel demand kept going? We chewed away at the inventory. Yeah. So we've had low inventory for diesel for two years. Yeah. But for some reason this fall, it all came to to light and we're going to run out of diesel fuel and november 18th was the date well okay give us an update what's the situation going into the spring what's yeah. the fuel price outlook yeah well crude oil has been trading between if you've been noticing for about the last 60 days 70 to 80 dollars yeah i think that's a good spot I, the the people producing crude the enp people they can make money at it it's not jeopardizing the economy you know we talk about this inflation thing if we can keep energy i've always been a proponent if we can keep energy prices reasonable the inflation thing will we can temper some of that inflation, hopefully, versus having $150 crude and yeah. everything would be a mess. So yep. supplies are good. I mean, still, we've gotten through all these supply or supposedly supply crunches, no right. problem. And uh, the market has reacted that the diesel fuel prices are, we've had a lot of producers go ahead and start locking stuff in. So yeah. they must think it's it's an okay price. You know, they always want to get cheaper, but I don't want to pay $4.5 fuel again. It's a price that works. They can yeah. make today's price work. And, and you go over to Europe and take a look at how those energy prices have fallen down well, in Europe. It's taken the fears of a major recession out of the market. Yeah, if you're going to have energy prices driving that, 
Well, that's and that's the other thing, Chip. Is every other day, about four, every four days, there's a different headline that they just repeated four days earlier. Yeah. Meaning COVID shutdowns in China <laughs> versus COVID's breaking loose and we're going to break the economy loose in China. Yep. So that means more demand, up goes the price, or uh, the Fed's going to raise interest rates again. So that's going to decrease demand because we're going to have a recession. To oh, the Fed's going to maybe not increase. Those are, those are four headlines that get rotated about you, every other day. You can write a headline to match what's going on with the market that day. There's no question about it. But you're right, Dave. We've run out of different headlines. Yeah. It, you know, we just keep stem, ended up at the same spot. And that's why I think that this crude oil price is a good spot. It's having a tough time going above 80. It's not. I don't yep. see it going down the drain because demand is still there. Yeah. You know, but supply is caught up. And so if you believe in economics, and I do, yep. supply and demand end up at the right spot. We get enough supply. We get enough demand. It makes it work. Okay. We've only got about 30 seconds left. And you kind of tossed out your summary on this of what farmers should be thinking about doing when you said that some guys are going ahead and booking for the spring. Yeah. They're living, uh, you know, we've, at Thanksgiving we were quoting around $3.5 fuel for people, and they said, well, it's been an inverted market, Chip, for, yeah. for months. And they're like, you mean fuel's cheaper than in the future than it is today? Yeah. Lock me in. Yeah. Get, I'm going to get some of that. And we never get to that price. It always gets back to where we were at. But we're a little less than that today. Not to make anybody feel bad they bought at the wrong time. But yep. uh, it's way better than paying 450 for irrigation fuel like we were doing last summer. That's right. That's right. Dave, great yeah. conversation. I Thank you, yeah. man. Thanks for being here. All right. That is Dave Spencer, Farmer's Pride Co-op. Okay, when we come back, we are going to uh, we're going to learn some lessons from Bob Lingenfelter when we come back. Yeah, this ought to be an interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to it right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. China's Commerce Ministry said it will continue to impose anti-dumping and anti-subsidy tariffs on dried distillers' grains imported from the U.S. for another five years. India's federal police are investigating officials of the state-run Food Corporation of India for possible corruption in the purchase and distribution of grains. Fed Chair Jerome Powell did not give any policy clues during a panel discussion in Stockholm yesterday. Powell said the Fed must avoid straying into political issues that are not directly to related to its economic management objectives, such as climate change, to protect its ability to bring down inflation without interference from elected officials. And European Central Bank's Governing Council member Mario Centeno said on Tuesday the current process of interest rate increases is approaching its end. News of notice taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more news at tryprofarmer.com.
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? Welcome back to Norfolk, Nebraska, and the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show. Big thanks to WJAG for making it possible for us to be out here and for the invitation to come back to Nebraska and see the fine people out here uh, and uh, to have some awesome conversations, which we're going to get into again right now. Bob Lingenfelter is a personality, I would say, on WJAG. He joins us right now. Bob, welcome to AgriTalk. Well, I'm tickled pink to be here. I think I've been on WJAG for now 20 years. 20. I started out originally as a commodities broker, yeah. and as a commodities broker, I could never really give you an opinion. Yeah. But now I've kind of got over into your seat where I can share those Come on, opinions. man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Bob's a farmer in northeast Nebraska. Like he just said, he spent a little bit of time as a broker, maybe, not, maybe more than a little bit of time in Norfolk. Uh, left that business a few years ago, but he still does uh, the opening market commentary. Opening market commentary five days a week, and then I get uh, on Saturday they'll give me the microphone and tell them what I saw. And yep, that, and that's that's a lot of fun. You bet. And then you keep in touch with with farmers in the area yes, through your weekly my, updates. Yeah, with with uh, my past customers and other farmers, and and by putting it on the radio, I don't have to actually talk to them individually. <laughs> every day and that that helps quite a bit and and truth the matter is chip it was a dream yeah a prayer answered you coming out here because i had some questions i wanted to run past you. well we might have to get to those but first i want to learn some things about you if we can all right Ooh, I, uh, you, well here where, where did you grow up i grew up in plainview okay i was uh the last class recruited by bob devaney okay which should be probably the best recruiting class they ever had because we had to take that young redhead out of the chute and get him <laughs> off to a pretty good start, and we did. He didn't turn out too bad. No, he did all right. Uh, Got a highway named after him and everything. <laughs> then from there, I played uh, I played with the Cleveland Browns. I got rudely reminded of that here this last week. Oh. They were talking about that storm in Buffalo. Yeah. The worst since 77. Were you in That's the middle of that? I, <laughs> I can vouch for that storm. And uh, I, I went from there to play with the Vikings. My father had some health issues. I came back and have been farming ever since. Okay, so you came back to the farm. It was the late 70s. Yes. The end of the go-go's and into the walked, crisis. I walked right into, uh, uh, there was a president by the name of Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And he's a troll lot like Biden. The first thing he did was tripled the price of fuel. Yeah. Told us if we'd drive 55, life would be good. Yep. And uh, then the feds got in there. And I never could understand where, with one expense going up, fuel's into everything we do. If it goes higher, we've got to pay more. Why? The other expense we all have got is interest. Yeah. So then interest starts going higher. And that's supposed to make things get cheaper. Yeah. Well, by the time the Fed got done that time, we hit 20% mm-hmm. on operating money. Yep. And that, I think, probably cost about half the farmers in this area. Yep. So it was a go-go time when you got back to the farm. You grew up on the farm. But when you got back, it was a go-go period. And then we went into the crisis with the increasing in the interest rates. And you already drew the one comparison with the with the energy cost. 
we're not heading back in that direction of a crisis, are we? Well, you'd like to think we could learn something from the past, but it sure feels to me like that Fed says until we get things down to 2%, that we still got inflation and we're going to keep raising the how fast they raise them who knows but you got to remember when carter did that to us i think that was 77 maybe yep. and it's four three or four years it was eight, it said 83 before he peaked yep so you got six years of interest rate and we just got the first one done yeah i, I i'd like to hope that we don't go that high and we've got a fed chair that kind of you know is, is proud to say listen i got to be more like volker well, Volker just pounded us. out of there, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the way it feels to me. And uh, that was kind of one of the questions I wanted to throw at you is how, okay. do you, how do you think we can hedge against that operating interest? Well, when I was on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, every now and then I got called over to the bond market because the reporter was out. Wow. We can use bonds. I think that taking the short side of that 30-year bond, it's still at about 5% interest. Yep. i got to think it's going to get a lot worse than that before it gets better, and that might very well help us ease the pressure. Okay, talk through that a little bit. because you, Well, you, when you hedge corn, mm-hmm. like if I sell, sell 5,000 bushels of corn for $7 a bushel, and then come the day I have to deliver it, it's only worth $5, well, yeah, I only get the $5 for it, but I do pick up in my hedge account the $2 that I'm short. Right. Well, that's kind of the same way this is. If you take that short side on that bond, and it's something you're going to have to roll every quarter, but as that money comes in, you're still going to be paying the high interest on yep. the actual operating note. You'll just have something yep. to help bring that down. It's hard for some to grasp the concept that to hedge against higher interest rates you have to short the bond market the short position right and uh, that's because it is a hundred thousand dollar instrument that pays a coupon of six percent interest and so if interest is below six percent you have to pay more for the bond if interest is going to go above six percent then that bond's value is going to shrink yes so that's why you want to take the short side gotcha gotcha is is that the thing that you think about most in the markets right now? Is, are those interest charges? That boy, I watched you just kill a lot of young farmers back yeah. in the early '80s with with my group, and uh, I mean, one of the things that uh, worries me the most is, you know, back in the '80s we still had a nine-month program and a three-year reserve. Yes. So we always had at least a couple of years' worth of feed around us, and our prices was kind of in a zone. And now, last year when we combined, we had 21 days' worth of corn in front of us and 12 days' worth of beans left in the bin. Boy, that's awful, playing it awful tight to the belt. Yeah. You know, we talk in the economy, we talk about the just-in-time deliveries. Yeah. We've treated the crops as just in time, just in time, uh, uh, building of supplies. Well, they're betting we're going to keep them covered. That's right. And boy, Mother Nature isn't necessarily always as kind as she okay. can be. Okay. So is that why after we put a good, not a great, but a good corn crop in the bin, a good bean crop in the bin from from 2022? Is that part of the reason that we've still got a six fifty old crop market and a fifteen dollar old crop bean market? I, I think 
we didn't put as good a crop in as we did the year before. Export trade has been very slow. Mm-hmm. And that export trade has been very slow because even with all the money that the government has printed, I do believe China has been dumping their gold reserve and soaking up those dollars because they get paid in dollars. They don't want to see the value of that yep. dollar come down. And so they can go ahead and take those dollars and go in there to Brazil, which currency is considerably worth less than ours, and buy theirs first. So I think there's plenty of demand out there for what we have. I just think the powers that have decided we will be the last ones to run out. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've had some analysts on that say, listen, if anybody's coming to the U.S. right now, it's because we can guarantee a delivery. And we're going to guarantee it'll be good quality. Yeah. But I think you're right. We we are not the market of last resort, but we are where we do the best job of storing a crop. Therefore, we're going to hold on to the crop as for the rest of the world. Well, if you're the last guy to run out, basically the cost of something is directly related to the supply of something. Yes. And so if that supply is getting tighter, but the demand is still as strong as it was, you've got to raise the price to trim the demand. Yeah. And I think the powers that be are trying really hard to have us be the last storage bin emptied. Yep. yep. The last bin emptied. Uh, don't, I hope. I hope. Okay. So what does that mean for basis? Well, they're, they're terribly strong around... I won't say terribly. As a farmer, no. they're very good and strong <laughs> yeah. bases. But their stuff, our basis, as we were harvesting, we're still 40, 50, 60 cents over. Yep. I've never seen that in right. the harvest. That's just nuts. But yep. it's saying that just how much demand there is out there and how short covered those people. Well, nobody wants to get caught holding seven eight dollar corn and then all of a sudden somebody hits a big crop and we drop it back to four (laughs) so they've been real close to the belt on what they're buying you know i I get that that nobody wants to be left holding that seven dollar corn if you do go to five or four and a half whatever it is but at the same time if it goes to eight and you don't have seven dollar corn you had you had one job to do why didn't you do it I think they're trying to buy as much as they could, and I think we saw a little of that when the idea that the railroads might go yeah. on strike, the, the alcohol plants had to kind of slow down their, their buying mm-hmm. and and their production. Then all of a sudden the railroad tracks are running fine, and we hit 50 below windshields. Yeah. I'm not much to want to haul corn. I don't care what you're paying me <laughs> when it's that cold out. And so it took them a little while to get that ethanol yeah. production back going, I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense. Corn moving now? It's starting to, but our roads, uh, you know, from from Norfolk, east and south, there's not much snow. You go from from Norfolk, Plainview area, out west and north, I think they've got like 48 inches of snow on the ground at Valentine. And our yeah. roads are, yeah, the snow's been pushed off but they're covered with ice because it started out with rain that turned to ice to turn to snow and so that's not much fun for me to hook onto my gravity boxes (laughs) and head down the road to haul that stuff to town yet that's right that's right okay we are in norfolk nebraska at the northeast nebraska farm and equipment show having a conversation with bob lingenfelter when we come back bob and i are going to talk carbon this ought to be really interesting
produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. If the world is your oyster... We've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We're wrapping up coverage, Davis, from Norfolk, Nebraska, and the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show. So don't worry, buddy. J-A-G. And by the way, did I hear, I overheard your conversation. Was someone, did someone say Black Swan? Because oh. I actually have a recording of a black swan here, I think. No. I'm, if I'm not I'm, mistaken. No. No, that's not it either? No, that might, that does sound like some sort of a prairie, a rangeland bird. I don't think that was a wren, uh-huh. but I know it's not a black swan. Not a black swan. No. Mm. What we get around here that's black are crows. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Move that mic up just a little bit there, Bob. All right. Yeah, we're talking... We are having a heck of a conversation, even during the break, with Bob Lingenfelter. Uh, we learned about Bob in the last segment. Uh, one, we talked about the old crop and, and finished up with a basis conversation there, Bob. What are you thinking about? What should farmers be thinking about on their 23 crop marketings? Boy, one of the scariest things we have going on in our area right now is that they're talking about really restricting or cutting back our water use. Yeah, we talked about that this morning. And that water use might tend to make you want to plant more beans than corn, but I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference which one you plant. They're getting ready to put in a new bean processing plant here in the Norfolk area, and that's that soil, the the biodiesel oil that's that's bringing that out. But I I think uh, the biggest thing is going to be how much moisture do we get between now and the 1st of May. Yeah. If we get enough to give us the confidence to be able to put that corn in there, then maybe a little less irrigation water won't bother us. Yeah. The beans are are more of a, it's not that they don't care if they get water, but there's something that can handle weight and, and, you know, depends what August happens to them. Yep, they're ornery, no question about it. But here we are, we got corn, these corn just under six bucks. We've got... November beans, what, just under 14, I think it is. Those are both good prices. I was going to say, aren't those prices that we should at least be considering? Well, and that goes back to what the fuel manager for the co-op was talking about. If you want to start locking in one end, you better kind of get some of the rest of it covered, too. Because if if we do turn out to be dry... You're going to blow that that six dollars yeah. out of the air, and if it if if the if the fuel people see we got more money to spend, yeah, 
yeah. up she goes. Yep. And it does feel like we're going through a change in the weather trends, yes. the weather patterns. Yes, finally. Yeah. But, again, a couple of storms does not necessarily make a trend right. yet, but at least for a little bit. That's right. Where, where I scooped more snow in the last 10 days than I think I have the last three years. Yeah. So yeah. that part was good. Well, and out in California, I hope it's not just a big interruption in the drought. I hope that this is the start of the breaking of the drought. Over. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, too, because yep. those farmers out there where you've got uh, olive trees, and, yeah. and I mean, Almonds. there is a long no. investment in that. They dry up and die. They're not going to show back up next year, so That's I'm right. hoping they can keep them alive. Yep. You know, if, if if those almond trees and those olive trees die and they have to cut them down, all of a sudden they start decomposing and making carbon, right? <laughs> well, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. <laughs> and what? And I threw it at you before. Well, I'm yeah. glad I did before we actually started talking about it. I said, well, what is it that you eat, Chip? Yeah. And you should have heard the long list of stuff that he likes to eat. <laughs> But bottom line is what Can we confirm. all eat. <laughs> what we all eat is carbon. The plants pull that carbon dioxide out of the air, clean it up, kick the oxygen back, and produce whether whether it be corn or beans or but something to make cattle and hogs and chickens and and mm-hmm. the whole works. And that's basically what we eat. So when you hear so many people saying, we got to get rid of that carbon in the air, oh, jeepers, oh, jeepers, yeah, well, what am I going to feed you? Right. And uh, I like to eat. <laughs> well, you and me both, oh, brother. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I, I just really wanted to start throwing that idea out there yeah. that the, the, your, our listeners, your listeners need to. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago. It was, it, it was maybe October or something like that. Uh, Wiesmeyer had a report on some researchers in Europe that had successfully taken water, sunlight, and carbon and made a fuel. Ah, isn't California working on something like that, Yeah, exactly. You know, we do it every day in the cornfields of Nebraska and Iowa. We're making a fuel. It's called photosynthesis. (laughs) Yeah, no shoot. And uh, it's it's just, it's... uh, Two years, two years ago, I'm, it was the tallest corn crop I ever raised and probably the best dry land I'd ever raised. Very good irrigated. And late in July and August, I'd be going home as the sun's going down, and there was a fog over those fields. Yeah, haze. And I thought, well, what the heck is that? Well, I did a little more research, and it turned out to be the smoke that was coming down out of those forest fires up in Canada, and those plants could not grow tall enough to get it all in. So it, it, it's kind of neat to watch. Yeah, yeah. It, it it is the it is the element of life. Carbon is yes. And removing it all. So what do you what do you make of all the the carbon smart farming efforts that are out there? I think you need to send uh, a lot of those green people out to the asphalt fossil beds. Okay. Out there, there's fossils oh, that be good. out there. There's fossils that came from that would have only showed up in a tropical rainforest, and there's fossils that would have only showed up in, in an ice age. <laughs> and I don't think Chip. I know you're old. Yeah. But I don't think you can take credit for that. I think this climate's been going back and forth for our whole life, and to try to think that we put too much carbon in the air and that's going to change it. Yeah. I. I I don't know. You know, I I think about kind of the I, I don't want to call it an arrogance of of some of the people that think that humans could have such an impact on the globe. On the globe. I know there's a lot of us out there. 
I get that. But to have the kind of impact that they claim? Well, there is a way that we can have that kind of impact. If you remember reading in the Old Testament, Job. Okay. And at the end of that, God came down and said, Job, if I wasn't happy with what you're doing, I'm in charge of the weather. I can burn you out. So it may very well be some of the things we're doing he's not very happy with. with. And he's trying to give us a little sign that maybe we should take a look. Bob, it has been a pleasure to meet you and talk with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chip. All right. That is Bob Lingenfelter. I got a feeling, guys, get used to it. We're probably going to hear more from Bob in the... uh, in the months ahead. All right, tomorrow I'm heading back to the bunker. Tomorrow morning we're going to have a conversation with Paul Neifer, a conversation with Dave Mitchell, and a conversation with U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra right here on Agritalk.